0: Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special, sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then, she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature, and MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. Tonight we're covering a solved murder and while we know who the killer is, I'm not sure that we'll ever really know why this happened. 13-year-old Dylan Redwine seemingly vanished in 2012 while having a court-ordered visit with his father over Thanksgiving weekend. Both Dylan's mother and father, who had been divorced for several years, appeared on The Dr. Phil Show to get the word out about Dylan's disappearance, while also pointing their finger at each other. Dylan's father believed the young teenager had simply run away, but his mother felt that something more sinister had happened. The truth would be beyond disgusting. Before we jump in, tonight's episode is sponsored by GarageStoresWithAZ.com. Their online shop has a massive stock of products and accessories to jazz up your vehicle. They have everything from car organizers, car accessories, repair tools, and cleaning supplies. They provide worldwide free shipping. And if you live in the U.S., you get to enjoy four-day free shipping. They also offer free returns and a money-back guarantee so that you can feel confident in your purchase. One of my favorite things about their online shop is that they have a ton of product reviews so that you can really find out the quality and usefulness of the product that you're looking at. Check out Garage Stores with a z.com for all of your vehicle accessory needs. And enjoy free worldwide shipping and four day free shipping in the US. All right, let's jump in. The date is November 18th, 2012. 13 year old Dylan Redwine gets on an airplane and travels to visit his father, Mark Redwine. This is a court ordered visit. Dylan's parents were married for 18 years but divorced a while back. Mark lives in Vallecito, Colorado, which is a pretty isolated area with a lot of rugged mountains, trees, and lakes. Mark picks Dylan up at the airport and asks Dylan if he'd like to go out for dinner at a restaurant. Dylan says he'd just like some McDonald's for dinner, so the pair go through the drive-thru, and then they stop at a Walmart before heading back to Mark's house. Through text messages, we know that Dylan wanted to stay at a friend's house that night, but his father had said no. Dylan did have a few friends in the area that he was looking forward to seeing during this trip. According to Mark, Dylan fell asleep on the couch pretty early that night. What we do know is that Dylan's last phone activity or communication was at around 9.37 p.m., pretty early for a 13-year-old boy to fall asleep in my opinion. Dylan was known to log onto Facebook multiple times per day, and he texted his friends on both his phone and his iPod. However, there was no activity on either of these devices after 10 p.m. on November 18th. According to Mark, the following morning, November 19th, he left the house around 7.30 a.m. that morning to run errands, and he saw Dylan sleeping on the couch when he left. Mark finished up in town, and he arrived back at the home around 11.30 a.m., only to find that Dylan was no longer at the house. He wasn't sleeping on the couch as he was when he had left. Mark said that he figured Dylan had gone off with friends, so he laid down for about an hour for a nap. And in fact, Dylan did have plans to meet up with a friend that morning. He was supposed to meet up with one of his friends around 6.30 a.m. that morning, but he never showed up. Cell phone records show that his friend sent him a text message at 6.46 a.m. asking, where are you, and received no response. When Mark wakes up from his nap somewhere around 12.30 and 1 p.m., Dylan is still nowhere to be found, so Mark calls around to Dylan's friends to see if maybe he's at their house. All of them say they haven't seen or heard from Dylan at all that day, So Mark texts his ex-wife and Dylan's mother, Elaine Redwine, just to let her know that her son appears to be missing. It seems a little strange to me that he would text her instead of calling. I mean, your son is missing. Seems important enough to place a phone call, but according to Mark, he knew that she would just freak out and he didn't want to deal with any of it. And it is true that at the time of Dylan's disappearance, they were smack dab in the middle of a custody debate, and things between them were very volatile. Of course, Elaine panics upon hearing that her baby boy is missing, and she begins calling around, calling authorities, friends of Dylan, and her divorce attorney to see what her options are. It isn't until 6 p.m. that night that Mark calls the local police to report Dylan missing— and a search and rescue effort begins. Mark tells investigators that it appears Dylan's belongings are also missing, including his fishing rod, so he believed that maybe Dylan had wandered off to go fishing and maybe got lost. Dylan's mother Elaine immediately refuted this, stating that Dylan couldn't even tie his own line, and he had no interest in fishing whatsoever. Throughout the day, Elaine tried calling Dylan's phone repeatedly. However, no one answered, and the phone was never located. Mark sent Dylan four text messages throughout the day. At 8.14 a.m., he texted, Hey, bud, out of the office, call me. At 8.15 a.m., he said, Hey, you, call me, please. 11.23 a.m., he said, Dill, I'm home, and you're nowhere to be found. Come back so I can get you to Bayfield. At least call me, okay? At 2.33pm, he texted, Dylan, you need to call me, where are you? Of course, there was no reply back from Dylan. It appears that police initially believed that Dylan may have run away from home. This theory was further backed up when a local postal worker claimed that she saw two boys walking along the side of the road the same morning that Dylan went missing. She believed that one of the boys was Dylan. Right off the bat, Elaine refuted this. She told police and media that there was absolutely no way that Dylan would run away. And he definitely wouldn't just not call or text his mom. There had to be something wrong. It should be noted that this eyewitness by the postal worker was never confirmed. And Mark, well, he maintained that he thought that someone maybe took him or he became lost in the woods. Sometime between November 24th and November 25th, about a week since Dylan went missing, police deploy cadaver dogs, who find Dylan's scent in the wooded areas surrounding the home. They decide to send divers into the nearby lake, as well as to use sonar. However, they don't find Dylan or any clues as to what may have happened to him. It's around this time that the FBI gets involved, and the community really comes together to search for Dylan. It's also around this time, with no clues being found, that Dylan's mom Elaine begins to publicly express her feelings that her ex-husband Mark may have done something to Dylan. She talked to the media about how tense things were between the two exes, and according to Elaine, Mark was angry that she had recently received custody of the kids and that he had to pay child support. She also said that he was angry that she had moved on in a relationship with someone else and felt like all of this could have led him to hurt Dylan. However, some people, including public defender Justin Bogan, questioned this. He felt like maybe her perspective was tainted by their divorce and their custody battle. Mark refuted these claims, saying that he had no idea what happened to Dylan, but that he wasn't involved in any way and he even went as far as to point the finger right back at Elaine, claiming that maybe she had just hidden him away somewhere because she didn't want him seeing his father, which is kind of crazy, right? Mark tells the media that he doesn't believe his son ran away because he had nothing to run away from. And at this point, neither of the parents were considered a suspect. Actually, the police have no suspects and basically no leads to follow either, They had no idea where Dylan had gone, and they didn't really have a direction to follow. It almost seemed like he had vanished into thin air. On November 29th, La Plata County Sheriff's Office executed a search warrant at the home of Mark Redwine. They found Dylan's blood in a few different locations, like on the floor and the corner of a coffee table. Nothing else is found, and while the blood is definitely noted, it's not enough to give them a direction to go in. People bleed in their houses all the time. Think about it. You stub your toe, you cut your finger, you get a nosebleed, whatever. There's a lot of reasons that there could be a person's blood in a place that they live. The case kind of goes cold. And then, in February of the following year, 2013, about three months since Dylan first went missing, Elaine and Mark appear on the Dr. Phil show together. If you haven't seen the episode... Dr. Phil does have some video clips of this particular episode on his YouTube page, and I highly recommend watching it to get a feel for who the two parents are. I'd love to put some of that in here, but Dr. Phil will most definitely sue me. So go to his YouTube channel and check it out. I can give you a little bit of a recap of what happens. Mark appears to be somewhat dumbfounded and aloof, He doesn't really present any real ideas as to what may have happened to Dylan, no matter how hard Dr. Phil pushes him. Elaine, on the other hand, God love her. She is a mom on a mission, and she wants answers from her ex-husband. He was the last person to see him, and he was responsible for taking care of him, and she demands to know what happened to him. Near the end of the episode, Dr. Phil asks Mark if he'll take a polygraph test regarding Dylan's disappearance, and Mark agrees, claiming that he has nothing to hide. But what we find out happens says otherwise. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in true accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options so you can learn on the go and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language, Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factor's no prep, no mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factor's chef crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factor's fresh, never frozen meals During the polygraph test, Mark is asked whether he feels well enough to take the test and he says no, which automatically disqualifies him from even being able to take the test. Mark claims that he had no idea that this would disqualify him and he says he wasn't feeling so great because he didn't get a whole lot of sleep the night before and he had been drinking. Dr. Phil asks him if he wants to take the test later, And Mark basically refuses, saying it's just not a great time. I remember watching this episode years ago and just thinking and feeling like something is not right. If your son is missing and your ex-wife is looking straight at you as suspect number one, you'd think that you would want to clear your name right away so that all the focus could be on finding out what really happened to your son. But Mark... He just seems like he doesn't really care. He doesn't really want to know what happened to Dylan. He has no answers, and he's not really willing to provide any information. After the Dr. Phil episode, things seemed to go quiet again, until June twenty second, two 2013, about seven months after Dylan went missing. During a search of the mountainous area surrounding the home, a Nike Jordan shoe, youth size 7, was discovered along with underwear, earbuds, and scraps of clothing. The area looked like it could be the dump site for a body. So, a cadaver dog was brought in and led the search team to several bones that were later confirmed to be that of Dylan Redwine. Not all of Dylan's bones were recovered at that time, It was just partial remains. They had been there for quite some time. So all that was left was bones and not even all of the bones. These things were found in very rough terrain on a mountain along a dirt road. Police also reported finding what could be a finger or a toe bone in animal feces in the same area where Dylan's remains were found which just makes me so sad. I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's because I'm a mom of a boy and reading things like this just rip my heart into a million pieces. After examination of whatever bones that they were able to recover, the county coroner concluded that Dylan was not likely killed by animals, though his specific cause of death couldn't be determined at the time. Even with Dylan's partial remains being found, along with many of his personal belongings, police didn't have enough evidence to say what they thought had happened to him. Another search warrant was carried out on Mark Redwine's house and on his white Dodge truck in March 2014. Police found Dylan's debit card and an itinerary from his trip, which was suspicious because Mark had always claimed that He didn't have any of Dylan's belongings. All of these red flags were just starting to add up. These items that were being found. Mark's story that just didn't really make sense. The blood in the house. On June 29th, Elaine Redwine files a wrongful death lawsuit against her ex-husband Mark. Unfortunately, that lawsuit was later dismissed due to state of limitations. However... On August 19th, 2015, almost three years after Dylan's disappearance, Mark Redwine is officially identified as a person of interest in his son's disappearance and subsequent murder. It doesn't mean that they're arresting him or they're saying he did it for sure, but they are putting the spotlight on him and he is feeling the heat. It's not until November of that year, 2015, that Dylan's skull would be found. And it was actually located by a married couple who were hiking off trail in the wilderness. His skull would be found about five miles from where his first remains were found in June 2013. Apparently, the husband found the skull, picked it up and said, Hey honey, what do you think of this? And because the wife was a true crime fanatic who loved Dateline and true crime podcasts, she knew immediately what it was, and that it was a human skull. The area where the skull was found looked sort of like an animal den. However, again, it would be determined that this was not likely an animal attack. They immediately called the police, and police came and collected the skull. Now listen, here is why they determined that it was not likely an animal attack. Large prey, like a child, a 13-year-old boy, wouldn't be a primary food source for a bear or a mountain lion. And there have only been about four fatal wild bear attacks since the 1900s in Colorado. There have been two deaths by a mountain lion in Colorado, but that's like ever Additionally, mountain lions and bears wouldn't usually pick up human remains or small items like trash and move them long distances. Like I said, the skull was found about five miles from the rest of Dylan's remains. Now, when examined, the skull showed evidence of blunt force trauma. It's a lot of circumstantial evidence, right? Looking from the perspective of an outsider, it had to be incredibly difficult for Dylan's mother to stand by and wait for someone to be arrested. Her baby's bones have been found, and now his skull has been found, and Elaine felt like she knew exactly who was responsible for her son's death right from the get-go. But police, they had to focus their efforts, and they had to gather enough evidence for a conviction to stick. It wasn't until... July 22nd, 2017, almost five years after Dylan went missing, Mark Redwine was arrested and charged with murder in connection with his son's death. He was charged with second degree murder and child abuse, resulting in death. Now, we all know how slowly things can move in the legal system, but with COVID, things have just slowed down even further. It wasn't until just recently, this past July, that Mark Redwine's trial regarding his son's death would go to court. And the testimony that would be brought forward is absolutely shocking, beyond what anyone could have imagined. So hang on to your socks, like literally pull them right up. Mark Redwine pleaded not guilty to the charges. His defense He said that Dylan ran away from his home and could have been attacked maybe by a wild animal. Okay, maybe. But what the prosecution put forward as a motive is going to shock you. On the third day of the trial, Dylan's older brother, Corey, gave testimony that would leave the courtroom speechless. According to Corey, during a 2011 Midwest trip with Corey, Dylan, and their father, Mark, they had discovered some really disgusting photos of Mark. Dylan was only 12 years old at the time, and it completely shattered the way that he looked at his father. While Mark was asleep during the trip, Dylan was on his father's computer, and he came across some truly disturbing photos. Photos of Mark Redwine wearing women's clothing And eating his own feces out of a diaper. Yeah, take a moment if you need it. Obviously, I'm not going to post these photos. They're disgusting. But if you feel like you need to see them, a quick Google search will give you what you're looking for. I've seen it. There's only one, I believe, that's been going around the internet. And it's as disgusting as you can imagine. Dylan showed Corey the photos after the two had locked themselves in a hotel bathroom. Corey then took photos of the photos with his cell phone, and he had actually used them to confront his father later on. Corey sent copies of the compromising photos to his father in August 2012 while Dylan and Mark were alone on a trip together. And while it certainly caused an uproar between Corey and his father through text messaging, Dylan wasn't harmed on that trip. Corey called his father a shit-eating coward and said, You are what you eat, according to the text messages. Which, like, wow. Wow. I tried not to laugh when I read this because of what happened, but just visualizing all of this playing out. I don't think there's anything wrong with dressing in women's clothing if that's what makes you happy. You're an adult. You can do what you want to do. But eating shit is not healthy. There's some legitimate mental health issues if you're eating shit out of a diaper. And I believe it was actually even his own shit. And I don't know if that makes it better or worse. I have no idea. The prosecution suggested that on the night that Dylan was killed, he may have mentioned or shown his father the photographs, triggering his father to become violent and to kill him. Of course, we'll never really know if this is what happened or if it was something else. The only two who know are Dylan, who's dead, and his father, who's not speaking. Defense attorneys for Mark Redwine said that the photos have no connection to Dylan's death, and they suggest that Dylan just simply ran away from home. Maybe he got lost or was attacked by an animal. According to experts, Dylan's remains were definitely scavenged by wild animals, but he also suffered a skull fracture that appeared to happen around the same time that he was killed, and there were two small marks found on his skull, that appeared to have been made by a knife or some sort of sharp tool. So it was believed by the prosecution team that Dylan was likely killed in the home with some sort of knife or sharp tool, thus the blood found, and then his remains were scattered in the woods. Prosecutors also believe that Mark used the missing fishing pole that he kept talking about intentionally to misdirect search efforts for Dylan. One month after Dylan's bones were found, in June 2013, in rugged, wooded terrain, nowhere near a fishing spot, Mark suddenly claimed to have discovered the fishing rod in his garage. He turned it over to investigators, and (laughs) whatever. Dylan's mom always maintained that Dylan didn't even like fishing, or even know how to fish. But the missing pole was a point that was repeated by Mark over and over again, any time that he was questioned about Dylan's disappearance. There were other suspicious pieces of evidence brought forward in court, including testimony by Brandon Redwine, the oldest son of Mark from another marriage. Brandon said that his dad repeatedly mentioned blunt force trauma to him during a phone call between the two on the day that Dylan's partial remains were found. He said that during that call, which was about an hour long, Mark basically lacked emotion. He acted like he was just talking about baseball, not about his child being dead. And Brandon said, it got my attention on a very big level. I remember telling my wife, he's telling me what happened. He's not telling me exactly what was used, but we don't have enough information to be thinking about blunt force trauma. It just shocked me. I didn't know where it was coming from. Betsy Horvath, which was Brandon Redwine's mother, and Mark's other ex-wife, also testified. She told the jury about a comment that Mark had made during a camping trip in the early 1980s. Once we got to the campsite, he was kind of looking around and made the comment, this would be a good place to leave bodies, she said. When asked why, she testified, it was the mountains, and they're so fast that no one would ever find a body. In another blow to the defense team, a bank employee testified that nearly all of the money from Dylan's checking account was moved to an account belonging to Mark Redwine in January of 2013. The total transfer was $2,000, which left about six cents in the joint account. To me, that says that he knew Dylan was never coming home before his remains had ever been found. And on July 16, 2021, a jury found Mark Redwine guilty of second-degree murder and child abuse, resulting in the death and disappearance of his son Dylan Redwine. Nine years after Dylan went missing, finally some justice was delivered. This never needed to happen, and there is absolutely a special kind of hell for people who kill children. It's clear from the way that Mark has presented himself, his actions all alone, and these photos that have surfaced, there's something very wrong with him. He faces up to 48 years for the second-degree murder conviction and up to 24 years for child abuse resulting in death, so he will be dying behind bars. I want to end this episode with some words from Dylan's mom, Elaine, about who Dylan was when he was alive. Because again, the most important part of this story is just remembering Dylan. He died way too young, and he is truly loved and missed. Oh, just sweet. I mean, every time I talk about him, I just cry. But just sweet and funny, and I can still hear his laugh. Um, always concerned about other people's feelings, Um, never wanted to harm anybody or hurt anybody's feelings, which is why this is so ironic because he truly cared about other people more so than himself. Um, I know he he would have done many great things in his life and, and the world is a much better place um even for the 13 years that he was here he really touched a lot of people and he continues to do so even through his death that's it for me tonight i'd like to once again thank our sponsor check out garage stores with a z.com for all of your vehicle accessory needs they have a huge selection worldwide free shipping And if you live in the U.S., you get to enjoy four-day free shipping. They also have tons of buyer reviews so that you can feel confident with your purchase and a no-hassle return policy. Make sure you check out their link in my show notes. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper, or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give me a thumbs up and subscribe. If you'd like to become a Patreon and unlock some bonuses, including show shoutouts, monthly Zoom chats, swag, oh my gosh, so many things, you can subscribe on patreon.com slash Serial Napper. Until next time. Don't be a dommer or a fucking Mark Redwine because fuck you, Mark Redwine. Bye.